Father, we praise you for the faithfulness of families that raise their young people to know you and encourage them. And we thank you for Mike, the way he has been an encouragement to so many across the years in pointing to you. We pray your tender mercies upon him, your strength, your encouragement, your peace, your wisdom, your insight, your creativity. You've given him all those gifts. Use him in Austin. Bless Nancy as she receives him there. Her, her delight is to have her dad with her. Thank you for Pat and her ministry. And let Mike's heart continue to grow in his deepening love for you. And may other people see that and be drawn to you for, for your glory. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, Mike. God bless you. You're so welcome. Good, good. A lot of people don't know, and uh, I thought Ron might pick up on this. Mike was uh, a Disney uh, Imagineer and helped with a lot of the uh, elevator and t electrical type things there, and also on the uh, very large array uh, satellite telescope out in, it was in Arizona or New Mexico? We talked about that, but uh, lots of stuff going on. So let's take a moment and celebrate how good it is to be the body of Christ as we stand and greet one another in Jesus' name. My friends, here the cornerstone of God's great grace proclaimed by the one who called himself the chief of sinners, the Apostle Paul. He said, I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see that in my members, in what I actually do, another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin, that dwells in my members, wretched man that I am, hopeless, lost, bound by sin. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Oh, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh, I am a slave to the law of sin. But there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. My friends, believe this great, great promise of all time and space. For our brokenness and our slavery to the law, God has set us free by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Tell it to the world. In Him, and Him alone, we have new life, because in Him we are forgiven. Amen. Lord, here we are. Come and use us. Teach us not to try and stand, put way too much in our lives, to cram things in that don't belong. But instead, come and fill us with your Holy Spirit and come and use us that other people would know the wonder of belonging to you, Lord Jesus. Take our lives, take all that we have, take all that we are for your purpose. We pray all these things in the strong and the risen name of Jesus Christ who came to use us for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I love that anthem. It, it fits so well today. And I love seeing all the men in back to the point that John Bullis has had to come sing in the alto line. I, I don't know how that's working out. And they like it. The girls like it too. Well done, John. Who's the new kid there on the end singing in the choir? Bob Stansbury. Good deal. Join me as we're in... My Heart, Christ's Home, 
a great little booklet written in 1954 by Pastor Dr. Robert Munger, pastor of the First Presbyterian Church of Berkeley, California. As we look at that from the perspective of the, rec- the workroom, where God wants to work in our lives. And we are going to look at two passages of Scripture. First, Ephesians chapter 2, which we'll look at next week, a cornerstone to the Reformation. And this morning, our, our key verse is our verse for stewardship this month. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul writes, For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Let me read that again. It's just one little verse. For we are what he, God, has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works. He's our crucible. We're made in Jesus Christ. We're in his image which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life so that no matter what's gone wrong, before the foundations of time, he created us to do his will and live in that. And Jesus came to tell us that with his very life. And in John chapter 15, we hear this, verse verse 5 and then verses 16 and 17 of, of chapter 15. On the night in which Jesus prepared to give himself up for us. He said, I am the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. Remember, who are we created in? Jesus Christ. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. We are to be connected to him. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. That's good news. We're not, we're not meant to try to do anything apart from Jesus. We'll talk about that. But listen to verses 16 and 17. Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God richly add his blessing to this word that calls us to abide in him and promises us that we have a dwelling with Jesus Christ in his grace. Let's pray. Our Father, let your good news come now. Not only in word, Let it come in power. Let it come in your Holy Spirit. Let it come with the full assurance that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord. For you are our rock and you are our redeemer. And we pray all these things joyfully in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. I started working in the motorcycle business when I was 18 years old. Senior in high school. I'd been racing motorcycles for about a year and a half, and I got hired by the shop that had been sponsoring me. And I, went, I did that all through college, and it lasted basically for 10 years. And it was a golden time in that 
time. It was the early 70s, and uh, it was fun. And there were simpler times. You, some of you remember things were a lot less complicated a couple years back. We worked hard. We were open six days a week, nine hours a day. We'd eat lunch between helping customers. We did not take a lunch break. Uh, we were always sure that if that one rare time that we got a hot meal, the customers hid in the bushes and waited to see it delivered, and then came in and said, hey, I need this. But like I said, we had fun. It was a great time. I could tell you, the whole morning I could tell you stories about things that happened. Uh, but Richard Pollock, who has become one of the renowned motorcycle custom builders in the world, was our service manager. He's a dear friend. He's worshipped with us. And from time to time, a motorcycle would be brought in to the shop because the customer couldn't get it started. It just would not run. Or worse, they got stranded somewhere out in the field, and we'd have to go out and get it, bring it in, bring them in. And in some of those times, there was nothing wrong with the motorcycle, except that the customer had forgotten to open this silver thing in the middle between the handlebars. It's called the gas cap, and yeah, I'd put some gasoline in. Or they'd forgotten to turn on the, the fuel tap that lets the fuel that's in the gas tank get down into the engine. Or they'd left the tail light on and the battery had run dead. But there was nothing wrong with the motorcycle. And, and so when the person came to pick up their repaired motorcycle, they would invariably ask, so, so what was wrong? And Richard Pollock, with a trademark glimmer in his eye, would look at them straight-faced and say, and John, you know because you were in this business, he would say, there was a loose nut between the handlebars and the seat. <laughs> and here's the best part. They would often look at him because he would not smile, just a glimmer in his eye. They would often look at him the way we look at God when things aren't working, as if to say, what? What? I was supposed to pray? I was supposed to put, I was supposed to being, yeah. Paul says, Paul says, we are God's workmanship created for good works in Christ Jesus. And Jesus says, I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Jesus tells us in the same breath that apart from him, we can do, as we've said, what? Nothing, right. But we don't tend to believe him because as Nathan pointed out, we've still got room in the suitcase. We can do lots of stuff apart from God. See, look, we're doing it, right? It's, it's working. But that is just the problem. It's a lot of stuff. I, I believe it was Thomas Merton who once wrote, there's always the temptation in all of life to go about making itsy-bitsy statues to itsy-bitsy nothings on itsy-bitsy days upon end, upon year, upon end, and nothing ever happens. It's just stuff. And we end up living lives, as Henry David Thoreau said, of silent desperation on the edge of meaninglessness or in meaninglessness because we are not, you know why? Living the life we were created for the life Jesus made us for and died for us to have. 
and rose to empower us to live. And when that is happening, we are in fact the loose nut between the handlebars and the seat, falling off and wondering why things aren't working. There's a lot of reasons this happens. It's understandable, but do you know the main reason that this happens, that we just overfill life and nothing works? It is because we do not know one important thing, that Jesus wants to come in and give us power, the power of his Holy Spirit. Anybody ever see the Holy Spirit? No. Do you ever feel the Holy Spirit? Do you ever, the wind, the effects of the Holy Spirit? He wants to come in and give us the power of his Holy Spirit to be, get this, people we never dreamed we could be doing things we never thought we could do. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to take us apart to do that, but we don't know it. Somebody once asked me, who do you think God wants us to be and what do you think God wants to do with us? I said, I have one idea that I think is at the center of everything. God wants to take us apart and put us back together again by his grace to be who he knows we need to be, not who we think we need to be. Stuffed full of all that stuff that the moment we let go explodes all over. These passages, these two little passages of Scripture tell us that the God of all time and space has come to do the humanly impossible with our lives. And I want you to think about that. Jesus Christ is real. He really came historically, and he's come for you and me for the fires and the floods and the devastation and the broken dreams. And he has come to make it possible for us to know and make known a newness of life that will not end. Fruit that lasts. I think we and many in our world do not realize this. In fact, uh, a lot of us who don't ride motorcycles do have this thing happen. There's a little thing on the dashboard of your car. It says, check engine, right? You know that little light? Of course you do. And it comes on, and w way too often, you know how we deal with that? Black electrical tape. <laughs> Just put a piece of tape over it. Can't see it, can't be a problem. Out of sight, out of mind. You know why? We don't have time to get that fixed. You know, they're just going to rip me off if I go in there anyway. They're just going to charge me a bunch of money. I'm just going to cover it up. But you know what? That's just what we do with our lives, too. God's Holy Spirit turns on that check engine light. The motor stops. We pull over to the side of the road with our lives because something's broken. It's not a pretend thing. That sin is real, and we... We need Jesus, and God's Holy Spirit stops us in our tracks by some means to put his hands on the net, that's us, between the handlebars and the seat, and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Listen to what Dr. Robert Munger says about what Jesus wants to do about this in my heart, Christ's home, and I think it's borne out in our scriptures. <coughs> Excuse me. He writes this, before long, before long, Jesus asked, do you have a workroom in your house? Do you have a workroom in your house, Jesus wanted to know? Very, 
very natural kind of question. He wasn't being critical. Just, do you have a workroom in your house? And I think that's a really good question for us. This is our house, right? Not our literal house. This is our house. This is our house. This is our house, our head, our heart, our bodies. Do we? Do we have a workroom in our house? Or do we pretend that nothing needs to be worked on? Is there a place where Jesus can come in and not only work on us, but show us how to be his workmanship? You see, the Greek word for being God's workmanship is poema, from which we get poem. We are God's literary device. We are God's word. We are God's lyric in the world. And he wants to come into that workroom and craft those words and that spirit and who we are so that we are a thing of beauty that's captivating to the world. What does that workroom look like for you and me? I want to submit to you that, it, that the workroom is, is no less than that place of daily prayer, soaking in God's word until it finds its place into those places in our lives that are not working because we have not let God's Holy Spirit move in us the way his lubricating presence alone can cause us to move. We used to have, and I still keep keep it, some of you people have it in your homes, when something wouldn't work and would be frozen, we had some stuff called Marvel Mystery Oil. Have you ever heard of it? Marvel Mystery Oil. And, and the way it worked would be to submerge whatever it was in that and just let it sit for hours, days sometimes. And believe it or not, that which seemed like it was welded into one place started to move, it started to move and become flexible and it worked again. And that's the workroom. And it is when we stop in prayer and soak ourselves in devotion and listening to God's word that we start to go, hey, I can move again. We start to have a heart. The workroom of prayer and devotion is where Jesus has room to change us from saying with Marlon Brando, I could have been someone. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of what I am, which is a bum. That's where the workroom of prayer and devotion comes in. And Jesus makes us to be who he created us to be. And there is a joy to be discovered in this because we start to realize, whoa, look at what's happening to me and look at what's happening through me that I never could have imagined because I've been listening to him and I'm letting him loosen me and make me to move. You you see, what too many don't understand is that Jesus did not just come to save us. He's not a fire insurance agent, okay? It's way more than that. He came to shape us into a poem of grace to enable us to move. He came to teach us how to dance, and a lot of us don't know how to dance very well. You know, we're kind of stiff, and we we think we have two left feet, but he came to show us how to glide and how to move. And and that calls for a lifetime, a lifetime of dancing lessons in the shop with him. 
having him teach us and shape us and move us and work on us, discovering our craft, our poem, our place. Listen to how the workroom goes on. Munger continues, out in the garage of my home, the home of my heart, I had a workbench and some equipment, but I was not doing much with it. Once in a while I would play around making a few gadgets. Don't we do that? We make a few gadgets. But I wasn't producing anything that really lasted. Remember Jesus says, I want you to produce fruit that lasts. I created you to make something so that when you're gone, it will carry on. Mike's leaving a legacy. That Bible study is going to continue, my friend. You're going to be able to call Ron and ask, who was there this week? Ron's going to be able to say, five new people, Mike, because you said, why not? Let's do it. Okay. That's, that's what he created us to do, something substantial. And so the writers, the, the person who's being visited by Jesus in my heart, Christ's home, Jesus says, do you have a workroom? And he takes him out to the garage. And he says, I took Jesus out there to see my workroom. That is a great idea. Invite Jesus into that place where you pray. Invite Jesus into that place where you read his word. Invite Jesus into that place where you worship and where you're in fellowship with others. Go for it. He looked over the workbench and the few talents and skills I had. He said, well, this is fairly well furnished. And then he asked a really key question. What are you producing with your life for the kingdom of God? There's the $64 bazillion question. What are you producing with your life for the kingdom of God? What's going to live on after you are gone? Are people going to know Jesus Christ? Derwin and Betty, God bless you. You are doing that with those boys. There's a legacy being left. That's what Jesus wants to know. With the skills and talents you have, what are you doing that's going to live on, that's going to change people's lives? It's a graceful question. It's not a criticism. He's not trying to catch you or lay some heavy burden or trip on you. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and what? I will give you rest. Yeah, what are you producing? Are you making a bunch of gadgets and stuff that are just taking up time and meaning nothing to you, and you end up feeling exhausted? No. Jesus knows we will not be whole until we can say, oh, that's the question, isn't it? Well, I'm living my life for you and I'm learning what that means and I'm doing what you're calling me to do. Jesus looked at one or two of the little toys I had thrown together on the bench and he held one up to me and he said, is this the sort of thing you're doing for others in your Christian life? I felt terrible. Lord, that's the best I can do. I, I know it isn't much. I'm ashamed to say that with my awkwardness and my limited, abil limited ability, I don't think I'll ever be able to do much more. Jesus asks, would you like to do better? Would you like to do better? I, you know I would, Lord, and there it is. Do we want our lives to be more than what they could be? Are we willing to let Jesus come and do that? There's the key. Wanting to be who Jesus wants us to be. I used a little example I hadn't planned on, but I, I saw a smile that, that just caused me to think about it. Yesterday, Kyle Hamilton's working on her little Honda scooter, and she calls me up, and she goes, 
what do, I, what do I do about this thing here? This doesn't seem to be working. I said, well, look this way and turn it this way and see if, and she goes, oh, yeah, okay, thanks. I think I got it. Did it work? Yeah. Good, it did. <laughs> That's exactly what Jesus wants. I'm not Jesus. I'm a sheepdog. Uh, <clears throat> but I can show you where he is. And he wants us to seek him out and say, Lord, what do I do about this situation? How am I to do something for your glory with this difficult thing? I don't see how to do that. Here's what Munger says, what God's word says. Well, Jesus says, first, remember what I taught you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Come relax in me. How often do we just simply relax in Jesus and go, this is so much fun. I'm just singing a song. I'm reading his word. There's not going to be a test. The test has already been taken care of. Come, relax in me. Jesus wants us <clears throat> to relax and rest in him. Listen when he says, take my yoke and learn from me. He's saying, let my spirit work through you. He says, I know you're, you're unskilled. I know at times you're clumsy and awkward, awkward but the spirit is the master worker. Who's to do the work? Me? Am I supposed to become bright enough, capable enough, so that I'm autonomous of God's Holy Spirit? Never. Always let God's Holy Spirit work through us. If he controls your heart and your hands, he will work through you. He said, Jesus says, now turn around. And then, you know what he did? He put his great strong arms around me and under mine. And he picked up the tools and he began to work through me. And he said, relax, you're too tense. Let go. Let me do the work. My friends, that's it. God wants to work through us. Here are two keys that Jesus wants to hand us in this room. The first unlocks what he can do and will do that we don't think is possible. Oh, that can't happen. That's, that's too broken. That's way too, too gone. But he can shape us and take us exactly who we are, warts, deficiencies, pride, inferiority, superiority, and make us his craftsmanship, his poem that works and speaks in ways that change the world. And it doesn't matter who we are or who we think we are not, it doesn't matter how broken we are or what has happened to us or what we think we have done or haven't done. It, it doesn't matter if we can't recite a single verse of Scripture from memory. Jesus calls us into his workshop to unlock in us gifts and abilities we never knew we had. I can do that? Yes. And this will happen as we are letting him pour his Holy Spirit into us every day to shape us and show us who we can be when we are in him and he is in us. The second key unlocks what the first key has opened to us, who we are in Christ and what we can do through him for his glory in the lives of others. How many of you remember the old TV show Taxi? Christopher Lloyd was a burnt out taxi cab driver, Jim Ignatowski. And 
And it, it seemed that he could barely drive, let alone function in life. And he shows up at a party that's full of dignitaries and in tuxedos and evening gowns, and the pianist is missing, and he's going to mortify Elaine. And he goes, but you don't have a pianist. And she goes, Iggy, could you just go hide someplace? I don't want any of my friends to see you. And he sits down at the piano, and I can't do it. But he starts to play magnificently the Moonlight Sonata perfectly, and people are wowed. And he stops, and he goes, oh, I must have learned that somewhere. God's Holy Spirit says, look, I know you might think you're Ignatowski and that you've never practiced, but I'm going to use you. And that doesn't keep us from practicing. We're still called to practice, but that's just it. When we are practicing, when we're showing up, God can do immeasurably. So here is how the keys work. The first is this. What does Jesus need to do in your life to bring some changes to heal and empower you so that you would be willing to sit down at that situation and go, I'll do it. What does Jesus need to heal? What's the resistance he needs to move out of the way? John McSwin, you taught me about catalyst. What's the catalyst that God's Holy Spirit needs to come and move out of our lives so that we go, hey, this can happen now. What's the risk we're willing to take so that that power can take hold of us? Are we open to those things? Are we willing to let things take place in our lives that we previously haven't been? Are we willing to risk? Are we willing to risk to be vulnerable, to surrender all space to Him, to dance like no one's watching? And from this, Here's the other part. Who is it in this world that doesn't know how to dance and doesn't know that God wants to dance with them? Who needs Jesus' hands on them? And you know how Jesus' hands may touch them? Through you and me. That graceful touch to say, look, he showed me this. I can show it to you. What form will it take? For whom are we praying? I think there's a big part of it right there. Who are we praying that we might touch? Are we open to praying and being changed so that God not only directs our prayers, but our attitudes and our actions for the sake of what Jesus wants to do to us and in turn through us? My friends, that's where God wants to bless us. There was a rocket scientist. His name was Alistair McGrath. He became a theologian, and he said it so well. Christianity is not and never has been about finding the right combination of words. Rather, it is about encountering the living and loving God. Jesus Christ wants to encounter you. He wants to come and shape you and me and this body. The God of the universe loves you immeasurably, deeply, personally, intimately, and wants to do through you and me exceedingly abundant more than we ever thought we could ask or think. And the challenging and exciting part of this is that he wants to be in an activity in which we get our hands and life going in a way that they were really intended to be. Way too often we do not attempt things because we think we will break something. How many of you have been on your computer and go, I'm not going anything farther. I'm going to blow the whole thing up. And you just turn it off. 
or we think it's too hard, whatever it is. But my friends, the reality is that in Jesus Christ, it's all opposite. Everything is opposite. Things will get put back together through him as we let his hands be on our hands. Healing will happen. Hope will happen. We will touch lives with God's love because it will spill out of us because we risk letting Jesus Christ work through us. May we be bold in this. May we go to the garage with Jesus in prayer. May we let him adjust that loose nut between the handlebars and the seat such that we laugh with joy at how extraordinary this grace is becoming a poem pouring out of us. May we love like we've never been hurt. May we work like we don't need the money because he's already paid for it. And may we dance. Oh, may we dance like no one is watching. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Wow, Lord, you love us with an everlasting love, a creative love, an extravagant love, a love that makes us people that want to sing and shout and praise you and realize we're already home. And we want to live that way here so that people would know what home really is. So come in, Lord. Come into that workroom and do whatever you know needs to happen in us. Let us be creative with you and supple to your touch for your glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So my friends, as we go out from this place today, uh, one word for you. Relax. Relax. The goal is assured. So enjoy the journey. He's already taken care of everything. And because of that, know that we go out of this place going nowhere by accident. Where we go, God is sending us. Where we are, our Lord has a purpose in our being there. Because Jesus Christ indwells us, he has something he wants to do through us where we are. May we believe it. And therefore go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the communion and the fellowship and the equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way. Amen.